Today we're going to conclude this season of prayer series in which we've been trying to help us expand our understanding of prayer. So it's more than just crisis intervention, more than just coming to God in times of emergency and distress, but letting prayer be what it does best, which is to bring transformation in our lives and also to bring transformation to our world as we seek to make the kingdom of God come here on earth. The first week we talked about mountain-moving prayer. Remember that image of the mustard seed? The point was that it just takes a little bit of faith. What brings answers to our prayers is not the greatness of our faith, but the greatness of God. And then we talked the next week about the Lord's Prayer and saw the structure in it. In the first part, it invites us to talk about the majesty of God, the name of God, the will of God, the kingdom of God, before you enter into those mundane needs that you offer every day. The Lord's Prayer serves as that model. And then last week, we tried to dispel the myth that you have to have a certain level of purity in your heart and lives before God's willing to answer your prayers. We realized that if that was the case, none of us would get a prayer answered because we're all sinners in the name of God. Well, this week I want to share something that I think could help take your prayer to a new level, a new understanding, and it could be utilized for things in your life that would be very, very helpful and important to you. So if you don't want to take your prayer life to a new level, just close your eyes and enjoy this 15 minutes of respite, okay? But if you do, I want us to think about something that we probably rarely practice. The spiritual practice of fasting. Fasting from food or something else in our lives. You know, I've not heard much of this in my lifetime. It doesn't seem to get talked about in most churches. I don't think I've ever heard a full sermon talking about fasting. So you're going to get that today. If you look at the Bible, did you know that fasting is mentioned 77 times in the Bible? 77 times. There's only one time that it's commanded, and that's where in the Torah it says that on the Day of Atonement, all of Israel was to fast. But fasting is used in a lot of other ways. And if we survey the Bible, you might get some ideas how it could be helpful and useful in your life. For example, King David fasted as he was weeping for his dying child. In the book of Esther, we learn about the Jews who are in Babylon in exile, and they're fearing for the extermination of, of their cells, the whole nation, and they call their whole group to fast. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we discover Jehoshaphat calling for a national day of prayer of fasting when he is posed with the threat of the armies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mennonites. He called people from every city, and they gathered together. One of the prophets declared, they should not fear for the battle is not yours, but God's. They went to bed the next morning. They woke up to discover that the Ammonites and the Moabites had turned on one another, and the threat went away. Do you realize that the same thing happened in England in 1756? John Wesley writes in his journal about a threatened invasion of France upon Great Britain, and it called for a national day of prayer and fasting. Wesley wrote, the first day was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the Restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer. 
and there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. And in a footnote, he added later, it said, humility was turned into national rejoicing, for the threatened invasion by the French was averted. But fasting is not just an Old Testament practice. We find it in the New Testament. The book of Acts, it's shared when they're choosing the elders who will lead each of the churches that they had already started. They use it for that guidance. We find it in Acts also when they pray over Paul and Barnabas. They called for a few days of fasting before they sent them out to go take their missionary journey out to the western part of the Roman Empire, an act that would eventually lead to Christianity becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then you can turn to the Didache. It's a Christian writing that appeared in the second century, and it describes in great detail the fasting that was practiced by the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees practiced twice a week, which is referenced in the 18th chapter of Luke. They fasted every Monday and every Thursday to commemorate Moses going up to Mount Sinai. It was believed he went up to the mountain on a Monday and 40 days later came back on a Thursday. And the early Christians, the Didache says, shifted their fasting to Wednesday and Friday to distinguish themselves from the Jewish nation, but also in order to commemorate Christ who gave his life on the cross on a Friday. Now, my question when I entered into this message was why is it that we don't seem to fast much anymore? Why is this practice that has been very much in the Bible and been practiced through centuries, why is it it's so rarely talked about anymore? And I think I can come up with two good reasons. One is partly because of the passage we just read today. We hear Jesus' admonitions, and we're so worried about going against that that we choose not to fast. And there's some good cause for some of that because it's so easy to fall into the trap of legalism, to find one more thing just like the Pharisees did that somehow we think we can prove to God our goodness. Sometimes there's a fine line between legalism and faithfulness. But we have to remember, Jesus didn't say don't fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. There's the assumption that we will be fasting, that his followers will practice this spiritual practice. But of course, even if we start out with good intentions, it's easy to fall into that victim. It's just human nature to latch on to something that we can do that somehow we think might win God's favor. But Jesus' warning is one that we should take into account because if we do it for the wrong reasons, we lose whatever we might gain from it. Jesus said, when you fast, brush your hair, wash your face. When you don't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in the secret place, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But the second reason might be the most important reason that we tend not to fast. And that's the reality that in this society, we have a food problem. We're definitely seeing the fast food industry get a foothold into American society. You know that on an average day, one-fourth of all Americans will eat a fast food meal. One-fourth. Food is so available, processed, packaged so neatly, it can carry, be carried anywhere. Of course, if that is the case, there's rarely any nutritional value in it. But we use food to comfort us. 
many times do we eat just to make ourselves feel better, to face the stress of our crazy, busy lifestyles? You know that the obesity rate in the 1950s was only 10% of the U.S. population, and now two out of every three Americans are considered overweight, including myself. Of course, I tell my doctor, it's not that I'm overweight, I'm just uh, short for my weight. He hasn't bought that yet, but I'm trying. And childhood obesity has tripled the last 30 years. 25% of children under the age of 19 are considered overweight. The National Cancer Institute says that 75% of all cancers are rooted in our lifestyle and environmental factors, things that could be changed. And what doesn't help is that our processed foods, they've got addictive qualities in it. The sugar and salt levels draw us. They make us yearn for those foods. And we probably all fall victim to that. You know, the other day I had a long day. I think it was Tuesday. I went and did get a little exercise, but I was on my way home. Nancy was at play practice, so I was on my own. So I stop at a fast food place. I pull in and I order the healthiest thing I can see, which is a fish sandwich, right? Never mind that it's processed and fried. And then they have right there in the drive-up a picture of a beautiful mint chocolate chip ice cream shake. And as that cashier is trained, she asked me, and what else would you like? You notice they ask that no matter how much you order? And I see that picture, and I'm like, well, what the heck? I've exercised. So I say, I'll take one of those ice cream shakes. And then you know what she asks. She says, do you want the small or the large? And, of course, I'm good at math, and I see that the small is $2.99, and the large is only 60 cents more. <laughs> I mean, that's just good business sense, right? <laughs> so I get the large, and I started drinking it on the way home, and I drank it all. And I was miserable the rest of the night. I was so bloated. It was way more than needed. I went back and checked the nutritional value on it and discovered that in that shake alone, I got four times the amount of daily grams of sugar I should have had. Why did I do that? Because I've got a food problem. Because I'm a part of a society that's got a food problem. So the very reason that might cause us not to think about fasting because we can't do with our food without our food might be the very reason that we should consider fasting. But please know that fasting is not about dieting. It, it's not to be done for spiritual reasons to lose weight. It should be done to break the hold that anything in this world might have on you. Christian fasting at its best is abstaining from food, drink, or any particular activity for a period of spiritual growth. It's an act of worship and of prayer that allows for us to take our eyes off things of this world and instead focus on God. Fasting is not required, but it is recommended if you want a closer walk with God. And we don't fast to impress God. Believe me, he, he knows our motives he is an all-knowing God. He knows our hearts. So if we're doing it for that reason, he will not be impressed. But fasting's got some advantages. It can help us begin to see our dependencies. At our Thursday worship service, we talked on the same subject. And as we got talking about fasting, 
and how it tends to reveal those dependencies, it almost became a, a time of confession. There was even some tears in some people's eyes when they acknowledged that they go to that refrigerator because of their dependency on food. They, they, they use food for comfort. Someone else talked about how they hide their eating habits so that other people don't see how much they eat because they're so dependent on it. And sometimes it's not food. Sometimes it's other things. Some person remarked that they have such a need to please other people that they're always going out of their way even if it's not good for their own health to please people. Someone else remarked how it was for him in the business world that he has to put on a certain persona just to be successful and to achieve, to dominate when necessary. And he says, I'm not doing anything immoral, but I just realize that I lose a piece of my humanity. So fasting has that opportunity to expose those things that come between us and God, that get in the way of our relationship with him. There are 25 people that shared an interest in joining me during this season of Lent in a two-meal fast. The fast, if you do right, will amount to 24 hours. And so we've been keeping in touch with emails just to kind of see how things are going, just to encourage one another. And people have been responding back with some things they're realizing because of this action. One is how much our society is built around food, how much it's structured. You know how hard it is to find two meals that didn't get interrupted by a business lunch or meeting a family member or some family celebration? And if you really want to keep it on the down low, it's hard to find that time. I've also experienced how it reveals to me how many things are getting in the way of my relationship with God. I find that it's been helping me to find that spiritual help to think more about God, to put God first in my life. I notice that lack of energy, and it's not all a bad thing for me because I run such a hectic life that it slows me down and makes me say, I just need to lay down and reflect a little bit. I find that it drives me towards God. Every time I get up and start thinking about the refrigerator, I have to think about God to make sure I don't open that refrigerator. And it makes me appreciate Jesus' words when he says, after his 40-day fast, man does not live by bread alone. I like Donald Whitney's words. He says, like all the spiritual disciplines, fasting hoists the sails of the soul in hopes of experiencing the gracious wind of God's spirit. But fasting also adds a unique dimension to your spiritual life and helps you grow in Christ-likeness in ways that are unavailable through any other means. I would agree with Donald Whitney. Well, there's lots of ways to fast. It can be a, about food. It can be different ways. Sometimes it's taking a whole day. It may just be one meal a week. Some do it for several days. But it doesn't always have to be about food. I'm convinced that that fasting was practiced in biblical times because food was such a central part of, of all their activity. Think about how many hours had to be spent preparing that meal. Think about the time that would be gained if they were fasting two days a week and don't have to worry about getting that meal together. So what would be that response in our times? It might be food, as we've talked about, but it could be television. Sometimes we like to binge watch on a weekend and see a whole season of shows of a particular show. Or we may have that regular program we watch every week. You might choose to 
just not do that for one week and decide to use that time in some other more productive ways. Maybe video games might be your issue. And to choose to say, on this night, on this day, I'm going to not touch that control and go do something else that might bring me closer to God. Or maybe you're just a social person who's always on the go. Maybe this one weekend you would just decide, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to read a book that would help my spiritual journey. Or how about putting that cell phone away? Or choosing not to answer it for a day. You better warn everybody so they don't worry about you because we've become so dependent upon them. But think about every time you receive a text, you'll think about God. Or the social media. How about a Facebook free day? Or even the lunch hour. You could go ahead and eat your food, but take it somewhere else instead of always going out with everybody else so you can have that time for reflection. The most important thing in a fast it's not about what you do, what you accomplish. It's about trying to put God first. Fasting helps us to order our lives. That's the spirit I think Jesus shares, this call for fasting. Jesus assumed we would fast because it's good for us. It's good for our relationship with God. And if you do it in the right way, it can take your prayer level, your prayer life to a new level. May we capture that spiritual practice in whatever way makes sense for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the tangible ways and means you provide for us to draw closer to you. May we not turn them into idols. May we not make them a law to be followed, but may they be something we embrace for the good of our soul, for the interest of your kingdom. This we ask through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.